Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we receive your word today and believe that it contains the power to cut to the deepest part of who we are. Would you speak to us today, Father, through your teaching? Would our lives be transformed as a result of what we hear and what we learn? God, we are thankful that we have the opportunity once again to gather in this place and to be together to glorify you through song and through our fellowship. God, we pray for those in our fellowship that are not well and unable to be with us today. We rejoice in Jesse's presence today. Father, we pray for Bessie and her hospitalization and the care that she's receiving. God, there are many others. These are just a few. We give them all to you and trust that you are the healer. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the DNA of the local church, and I've been saying that it is uh, uh, the basic and most important stuff. And what I mean by this is that we're covering things that are essential pieces uh, of what makes things work here and what will make things continue to work in the future. Regardless of where the church is located, regardless of who's leading the church, regardless of who is coming to the church, these essential pieces are what keep the mission moving forward. And just like the DNA that's present in each one of our physical bodies, the DNA of the church It defines who the church is. It makes that church unique, and it is essential to the identity of that church. In our first week, we talked about how important it is for you to simply come to church, to be a part of what is happening here each week. And this piece of our strategy says that it's important to join in weekly worship where we enthusiastically glorify God, connect with one another, and prepare for the challenges of life together. Now, essentially, in order for this to work, you've got to be here, <laughs> right? That's how the whole come to church thing works. You, you've got to be here because you are important to the family. You are vital to the family. You are an essential piece of this family, even if you think that you are not. You are vital. Why? Because every piece of the body of Christ is important and necessary. And then last week, I talked about being connected. And this piece of the strategy says that we need to engage in a, in a regular time of discipleship with the explicit goal of personal spiritual growth and meaningful accountability. We are reminded uh, through Jesus' teaching in John chapter 15 that there is a, a picture of connectedness that we have both to Jesus, who is our, our source and our sustainer, but also to one another through, through sacrificial love and the willing laying down of our lives for the sake of each other. And so this week, I want to talk to you about contributing. And this part of our strategy says that we need to serve with a spirit of sacrifice through our time and our talent and our treasure. And I'll be up front with you and say that that a part of this is centered around the discipline of giving financially. But this is not the only aspect of contributing that is important, and I really want us to see the bigger picture and not just get bogged down by the money part. Unfortunately, there are just too many Christians that just shut down mentally and emotionally as soon as the preacher starts talking about money. Somebody asked me last night, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm preaching on the thing that every preacher does not like preaching on. And they knew immediately what I was talking about. Uh, But it's sad because what it does is it signals a really high level of selfishness in our hearts, guys. That's what it shows. 
something that the Scripture teaches very clearly about. And when we look at the story of the rich man in the Gospels, we do see this very clearly. His problem was that he was not willing to give up what was most important in his life. And in this particular case, it was his money. That, that's what it was. People say, oh, well, you're supposed to, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to sell everything you have. No, 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 no. Jesus was telling him, I need you to give up the thing that's most important in your life. And for him, it was his money. We must have the right heart position. And that heart position is one that says this, I am willing to give up what I have placed in a position of more importance than God. And for us, that's often our resources, our time and our treasure and, and our talents. And in our scripture that Jeremy read for us this morning, the Apostle Paul is writing to a local congregation about following through on a financial commitment that they had made previously. The backstory is that the church in Corinth had been instructed by Paul about a year prior to the writing of 2 Corinthians, and he had told them they needed to be sure and participate in the support of what was happening in the church in Jerusalem. See, the church in Jerusalem was experiencing a lot of financial hardship, and this was due to things like there was an explosion of new believers, people were getting saved left and right, and that brought new burdens and new expenses on the church. Uh, there was famine going on in the land. Uh, they were being uh, taxed to an extreme by the government there. Uh, and their ministry was expanding so, so quickly. And so Paul tells the church in Corinth in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, he says, now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. So Paul's saying, I, I've given the same set of instructions to, to more churches, so this is what I want you to do. He says, on the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money that you have earned. And don't wait until I get there and tend to collect it all at once, because that never works well. Do it with regularity and with discipline, Paul is saying here. And here, in, in his second letter that we're reading this morning to the Corinthian church, which is about a year later, he is addressing this again. And he is encouraging them to follow through on what they have been called to do and what they have committed to do and to be faithful to this tangible support that's necessary for the work of the church and for the advancement of God's kingdom. And so Paul uses the example of another church in Macedonia. And he explains to them that this church, they gave generously beyond what, what they even thought they could afford. They did it willingly. In fact, the church in Macedonia, they wanted to do more. They begged to do more. I, I could spend a lot of time, I could spend the whole time we have to go this morning telling you stories about what has been done by those who came before us. People who gave of their time and their talent and their treasure so willingly in excess of a hundred years here at New Philadelphia First Church of the Nazarene. And more than that, they gave, and the impact that they have made has been felt in our community, and it's been felt in our region, and it has been felt in our world. You know, all around us, on this side of the building in particular, we see a parking lot and cars this morning, but it didn't used to always be that way. It used to be houses. One house after the other after the other. Homes lined this street on the, on the east side of our property here, and homes lined the street on the back side of the property there in Beach Lane. And as the church began to grow and as the dreams and the visions of what might be began to, to come to light, those who came before us and some who are still with us today knew that the church was going to need room. They knew that, that, that there was going to be need room for parking, and we were going to need room for expansion and for, for new facilities, even just for some space 
for our kids to roll around on the grass. And so they gave. They gave of their resources. Some of them even mortgaged their own homes. Wow. Mortgaged their own homes in order to fund the purchase of other properties. And some gave of their time and their talents. We have pictures. I saw pictures of of, of men who are in this room this morning serving shoulder to shoulder as they laid foundations for new buildings. And as walls were torn down and new walls were raised because the church continued to grow and the church continued to change for over a hundred years, this kind of a spirit of contribution has been at the heart of this fellowship. It's not unlike what Paul speaks about when he talks about the church in Macedonia who gave of what they had because they knew there was a need and they wanted to make sure that the work of the kingdom continued to move forward. And so Paul urges the Corinthian church to do the same. He urges them to be faithful to what they have said they would do, to be faithful to contribute to the work of the church. This morning, I want us to look at three questions that come to the forefront when we're talking about contributing. And they are simply this. Number one, how do we contribute? Secondly, why do we contribute? And last, when do we contribute? The how of what we're talking about is not going to be much of a surprise to most of us today because the how is something that we hear all of the time. It's simple. We contribute with the time that we have. In other words, our service, we give our time through serving both in the church and we serve one another. There is a time is a very valuable commodity. Yes, uh, it, it, we have seem to have less and less and less of it in our very hurried society today. And I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm guilty of, of being driven what's, by what's on my calendar. My wife and I, we, we jokingly but not jokingly say, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. Um, because there's a chance, as some people know, that if it's not on our calendar, it's not happening in our minds. Um, we, we, we don't see it. We tell our kids all the time, guys, if it's not on the calendar, don't expect me to be there. And sometimes, though, when I look at my calendar for the week and I see that just about every space is filled up with a meeting or with an event, I feel like I have a week ahead of me full of great accomplishments. Look what I'm doing. But the thing is, it's just, this doesn't line up with God's economy. Because God created us and He expects us to give some of our time to others. And sometimes this means that you need to create some space on your calendar It's not already booked up. And we do so in order that if and when the opportunity arises for us to contribute to someone or to something else, we have the space to do that. And we also contribute with the talents that we have. Believe it or not, everybody in here has a talent. (laughs) Turn to the person on your right and say, you are so talented. You guys on the end got a free pass on that one. <laughs> you are. Everybody here has a talent. You have a gift. You have an ability. Some of your abilities rest in doing electrical work. Just this week, one of our guys was here. He was working on a light fixture that was not working anymore, and he was using the talents and the gifts and the skills that he had and the time that he had to contribute to the church. 
Another was here this week using his talents to help mix the sound for our praise team, who also have some talents, and all of them are given of their time as well for the church. This morning, there are people who have the gift of hospitality and are using that to make sure that this space is ready, that there's coffee made, that it smells good in here, and they're taking those talents and those gifts and their time, and they are giving them to the church. Later on this week, we have a group of men that are going to go take their talents and their time, and they're going to build yet another access ramp for somebody in our community. See, we contribute with the talents we have to do things that are both functional to the work of the church but are also outward acts of compassion to those who are around us. And we also contribute with our treasure. And just like time and talent, we all have treasure. The question is, how tightly are you holding on to yours? When Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, he tells them in 1 Corinthians that they need to set aside a portion of their treasure right up front before anything else in order to support the work of the church. And do you know why it's easier to do this? Well, first, it demonstrates our trust and our faith in God as, as being our provider. Second, it also eliminates that from the rest of the equation. It's a lot harder to give back to God when we've already given to everybody else and the pot got smaller. You see, after I have given, then I'm able to manage the rest of what God has blessed me with. But it's not just about the local church. It's about any circumstance that might come our way. We have to understand that at the heart of Paul, he believes in this idea of grace, an incredible grace that has been given by God to us. He writes about that in our text today. He says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now the riches that Paul talks about here are not necessarily tied to the earthly riches that we might think, but to a richness of life. And a richness of life comes when we recognize that Christ, what Christ has done for us in all areas of our life, our time and our talents and our treasure, and we respond to that by willingly and cheerfully being generous with it all. I want to share with you this morning a story from one of our own, one of our own, that demonstrates very clearly what I'm talking to you about this morning. So this story starts on a Friday. I was going to go or come into town and get a haircut. Um, and I don't remember the exact conversation that Martha and I went through, but somehow she talked me out of not doing it on that Friday. So uh, looking at the calendar, I knew the next time that I would be available to get haircut was the following Wednesday. Tuesday evening on my way, traveling back home, I was listening to a sermon on the radio and, and it, it reminded me of a sermon that Pastor Matt had preached on the Go series a while back and how we need to get out there and, and be available to do what God uh, needs us to do. And so I started praying about that and uh, started singing the song, Make Me a Blessing on my way home. And so that evening when I got home, I prayed about the same uh, line of prayer, 
Um, and then Wednesday morning when I got up, off I went to town uh, to get a haircut. As soon as I walked in the door, when I made eye contact with her, I could just tell uh, she had been crying. This was my opportunity that the Lord was presenting to me. I started thinking, okay, now I'm gonna be here like five minutes. How am I gonna figure out what's wrong and what am I, you know? She said, I apologize for the sniffles because of her crying and I said, oh, that's okay. My wife's allergies are acting up to or something like that. She said, no, I'm having a, a, a bad day. I've had a, the last couple days just not been good. And so she went on to explain to me that they impounded her car, um, took it to Rosenberry towing there. It was like $90 for the tow, $60 a day, and it was adding up fast on her and she didn't have the money to get her car. She wasn't supposed to work that day. They called her in and I was actually her first uh, haircut. So we get done and I go outside and I was like thinking about, okay, what can I do to help? So I was like, well, I've never had a car impounded before, but I said, well, I'll just go over to Rosenberry pay for her car to be released and they can call her and tell her and then that's it, it'll be done. Well, it doesn't work that way when you get a car impounded. So I went back and I sat down inside and I said, I need to talk to her when she's done cutting that guy's hair. Of course, the devil was attacking me saying, you don't wanna do this, you're just gonna make her cry. It's gonna be, you know, she's gonna make a scene. But I just felt that I, I really needed to help her in this situation. So when she finished, um, she said, come on back. She thought I was there to get my hair fixed. She, did, she thought I didn't like my haircut. But I said, no, I went to pay for your car and they won't let me pay for it. They said, you have a yellow piece of paper or something. And of course, yes, she started crying <laughs> and uh, just asking, why are you doing this? And I said, well, I, I really don't have time to explain it all, but this, this is a God thing. I said, do you have that yellow piece of paper? I'll just go and you know take care of it. She went through a purse, she didn't have it. She said, no, it must, the police must have. So I went to the police station and they said, no, you can't have the yellow piece of paper. So I went back down to Great Clips again and I told her and I said, are you gonna have a break soon where, you know, we could go get that and then go take care of it. And so I waited for a while and then she took her lunch break. And uh, so as we're driving, she says, well, I can't drive because I have to go to court to get my license back. And I says, uh, okay, well, we'll stop over at the church and I'll see if someone's there that can go with us. And so while we were uh, driving, I, I, I told her again, I, I said, Jess, this, this was all orchestrated by God. I said, he, he, I was going to get a haircut on Friday. You weren't supposed to work today. Um, it just, he worked it out so that we could get your car out. If there was anything I could add to the end of this, it would be that if we make ourselves willing, God will open doors where we can uh, bless others. Um, and it may not be um, with money, it may not be with time. It, it's, it, you know, there'll be different things that we can do for others, but God will open doors. We just need to walk through them and uh, obey.
for those of you. There we are. For those of you that know Tim, <clears throat> you know that Tim doesn't want recognition for anything. Um, he is, he is a, an, a demonstration of Christ-like humility, so I'm thankful for his willingness, even though it did take some nudging to share this particular story. Second, you know that this is just one of many stories that could be shared from his life and the life of others here today. But here's what I want you to see. We might want to focus on the treasure part of this story. Um, he gave up a portion of his treasure for someone else that had a need. Uh, someone, by the way, that he had no connection with prior to this happening. And it's true, this was very generous, what he did. But I also want you to see that he gave time. If he had been like some of us, and if I'm being as honest, if he had been like me, I would have probably had that haircut scheduled into my calendar for the day, and I would have known that I have to get from that haircut to the next thing, and there's nothing else that I can do in between because what's happening next is very important. And he could have talked himself out of that. He could have talked himself out of giving his time because, well, he didn't have any to give. Here's the thing. God has given you so much. You may not realize it, but He has. He's granted you another day of living today. He's given you gifts, and He's given you talents, and He's given you abilities, and He's given you resources. And you may, you may think that you don't have a bunch of any of those things, but I assure you that you have far more than many people have in this world. What are you doing with them? If I were to offer to you today $86,400, first of all, would you receive it? Okay, this just got really cheap. So, <laughs> if I were to offer to you $86,400, would you receive it? If I said to you, in order for you to receive this $86,400, you have to spend every bit of it today, could you do it? Okay. I mean, maybe you got some bills to pay. Maybe you're going to take all of us to the roadhouse. Uh, maybe you give some of it back to the church. It's a good idea. Uh, may, maybe you would put some in savings. Okay, no problem. Like most of us could probably get to the end of the day and spend $86,400. It might not actually be that hard. What if tomorrow morning I said, hey, here's $86,400. I need you to spend it today. If you don't spend it today, it goes away. Could you do it? Okay, right? No problem. Like tomorrow, we need some new clothes. We're going to maybe invest some money. I'm going to give some money uh, to, to, to my parents. I'm going to give some money to my kids. It would not be that hard. What if on Tuesday, I came to you and I said, hey, I've got $86,400 that I need you to spend, but you have to do it today, otherwise it's gone. Could you do it? Yeah, you could. You could. Every day... You have 86,400 seconds. When I throw something like money in front of you, you're like, oh, yeah, I, can, I could put that to work, buddy. I could make that happen. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, I could do something with that. I could do something. You have 86,400 seconds every day. What are you going to do with them? Because after they're gone, they're gone. You don't get them back. You don't go in a bank for you to access. They're gone. You have to decide 
how you are going to use the time that you have to exercise the talents that you have been given to put to work the resources that God has given you. You have to decide that. Here's the second question. Why do we contribute? Well, we, we've already heard the answer to this, but it's worth saying again. We contribute and we give and we are generous because God has showed us an immeasurable amount of grace. Listen again to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing you. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for the sakes, for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you, he could make you rich. Now I want you to notice what Paul says here. He says, I am testing you. Now, this word in the original Greek means to examine something. So what Paul is doing here is he's taking a really hard look at the lives of the people in the church in Corinth, and he's asking, do you really have the kind of love that you should have in response to what Christ has done for you? Do you really have the kind of love that you should have in response to what Christ has done for you? This Theology of giving is something that has been so badly distorted because of greed and financial mismanagement in the church. See, the idea has been created that if you give, God is going to flood your bank account. If you give, God is going to give you what you want. And if God does not flood your bank account, well, you probably didn't give enough. Prosperity is the message that is taught but the prosperity is focused entirely upon your check register. What's in your pocket? But you see, God's picture of prosperity is so much more than this. God's picture of prosperity is about your entire life. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4.19. He says, this same God who takes, pardon me, this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. From where? from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You know what this means? This means that God will provide what is necessary. That's what that means. And guess what? There are a lot of things in our lives that are not necessary. But we think that we need them. So, so Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you are to contribute not because I'm telling you that you should or because you're being pressured into it, but because God has given so much to you. You may look around at yourself and you say, well, <laughs> God hasn't uh, given me as much as He's given to so-and-so over there. And that may be true. Maybe entirely true. Perhaps God has not given to you what He has given to someone else, whether it be time, talent, or treasure. I'll tell you, in our family, it often feels like time is not something we have a lot of to give. And I do wrestle with that, but then I am reminded that there will one day be a season in our lives where this will change. There will one day be a season where we will have more time. In fact, we might have too much time. <laughs> so Paul helps us with this when he says this in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, give in proportion to what you have. 
Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Listen, you, you may be in a season where you don't have as much to give in any area, but listen to me, know this this morning, no matter what season you are in, God calls us to give accordingly and faithfully. No matter what season you are in, we are all called to be contributors with all that God has grace, graciously given to us. Don't, don't miss that. Here's the third question, what, when do we contribute? Now, our initial response might be to say all the time, Right? And you're probably expecting me to say that because that's what pastors would say. When are you supposed to give? All the time. Give all the time and give faithfully. But I want to give you something else to consider this morning. We need to contribute when our hearts are in the right place. Look at what Paul says in the next chapter of this same letter that we read this morning. He goes, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, pardon me, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and, and plenty left over to share with others. As the Scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You see, many times we hear this passage of Scripture, we only hear the first verse, which is verse 6, which says, if you only plant a little, you'll only harvest a little. <laughs> but the rest is really important too. Paul says that you have to decide in your heart what to give. You have to decide. And, and that gift can't be done with a reluctant spirit or because you have been pressured into it. In Mark 12, we see a story about Jesus. He's sitting in the temple, and he's watching people bring their offering, put it in the giving box, much like we have in our own place of worship. We have a giving box, and we, we place our offerings in there. And, and Jesus is sitting there with his disciples, and he sees all the different people bringing their gifts. And the rich are there, and they're putting in their large sums, but he also sees a poor widow. And the story says that she put in the equivalent of about one penny. And Jesus he takes this opportunity to teach his disciples about what they're seeing because that would have certainly caught their eye. And Jesus' lesson to them is this, and his lesson for us is this. Those who are rich and give out of their abundance, in other words, uh, 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 they're giving because they can, because it's extra, because it doesn't really cost them anything, they're actually giving less than what the poor widow gave. Why? Because she gave all that she had. Now, she gave all that she had. Why? Because she wanted to. Not because she had to, not because she was coerced into it, but because she had a heart of giving and of generosity. Why do we give? We, why do we contribute with our time and our talent and our treasure? Because in our hearts, there's a spirit of generosity. 
The spirit of generosity lives in us, and it gives us joy to give back to the one who's given us so much. If when you're evaluating your own life, you come to the conclusion that you are not contributing as you should, maybe you need to make the decision today to correct that course. You need to recognize what God has done for you, and you need to respond accordingly. You see, we contribute through our time and our talent and our treasure because God, through His grace, has given us more than we could ever need. And the result must be in us a spirit of generosity as an expression of God's love for us, lived out through us. So my challenge to you today is simply this, guys. Take some time to examine your life. That's what Paul was doing with the church in Corinth. He was testing them. He was examining them. Take some time to examine your life. Examine your time. Examine your gifts. No matter how small or insignificant that they may seem to you, examine your treasure and ask yourself this question, am I contributing to what God is doing in my church and my community? If the answer is yes and you feel joy when you give in any way, I say, great. Good on you, man. That's how it's supposed to work. We should have joy and expectation and be excited about what we're doing. And I believe, I believe with all of my heart that God is going to bless you abundantly if you do that. But if the answer is no, can I just urge you to make a change? The work of God in this world, whether it be the, the function of this particular local church or coming alongside a beautician in our community who is in need, does not happen without you and me. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Did you know that time, talent, and treasure do not magically show up here at the church? No, I'm serious. I, I'm 100% dead serious because it was just a few months ago I had a conversation with someone in this church who did not know that. Did you know that we rely 100% on what you bring to the table? Did you know that, church? We rely 100% on what the church brings through their tithes, through their time and through their talent. We have no outside funding. <laughs> it doesn't trickle down. It doesn't magically show up. It comes from you. But did you also know that time, talent, and treasure don't magically show up in our community? You know where it comes from? It comes from you. It comes from you being willing to give, being willing to contribute. So be a contributor. And if you will do that, the mission that God has given His church to go and to make disciples will continue to move forward, just as the mission of this church to guide those who feel unloved and unwanted into the loving embrace of Jesus Christ will go forward. Be a contributor. Be a contributor to what God is doing. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Boy, we love talking about money, God. Um, you know, when Jesus talked with that rich young man, it was enough to make him walk away. 
And God, I think my spirit is telling me this morning that there are some in this room mentally who have walked away. Because this is not something that we like touched. But God, there's a bigger picture here. It's not just about our pocketbooks. It's about our entire lives. It's about the time that we give. It's about the gifts and the talents that you have given each and every one of us, skills, abilities, knowledge. It's not just about our money. And God, you've given us all, given us, given us all these things and you, you've, you've called us to be stewards of them in your body, in the church. And so, God, we, we have this responsibility, but we also have this great opportunity to put to work what you have given us. It's like this gift of $86,400 plopped into our lap, and you say, what are you going to do with it? You only got today. So, God, as we receive this gift that you have given us, these gifts that you have given us, I pray that we would look at them very carefully, and we would begin to wonder and pray and listen, God, how would you have me use this? How can I put this to work for your glory? Help us, Father, to be contributors to what you are doing, to what your bride is doing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.